Hello, and welcome to the Stein Seedcast. Today's episode features the Best of the Yield Plus Corn Tour with President Myron Stein. Ride along with Myron as he travels across the country meeting with growers who are combining elite Stein corn genetics and super management techniques to maximize corn yields. In this episode, we revisit some of his past interviews and highlight some of the best management strategies these initiative growers employ on their farm. So let's get started. We're talking uh, to Darren Judd. Uh, Darren Judd's in North Central Illinois, and he uses uh, 105 to 115 day corn hybrids. He's a very good example of somebody that, should I say, he's, he's like the poster child of somebody that's doing high population corn, high management corn. You know, he's, he's pushing the limits He's been working with us now, I think, for since 2017 and has a lot of experience and has uh, done a number of different changes on his farm to accommodate uh, what you have to do for super management of stein corn. Okay, welcome to another session of the Stein Yield Plus Corn Tour. Today, we're with Darren Judd of Lawston, Illinois, which is North Central Illinois. Today, we're gonna to talk about Darren's family farm and how they got established here in North Central Illinois. And then we're going to talk about the Stein hybrids they're using on this farm and how they manage those Stein hybrids. They're in narrow rows, and it's definitely a situation where it's super management of the corn crop. So Darren, tell me some about the family farm, how you, how you got established here, Yep, grandpa started farming in uh, 1949. Mm. Uh, 160 acres was all. Um, so had that ground, and then he also was uh, helped a, a neighbor, was a hired man for one of the neighbors as well. Mm -hmm. um, that neighbor decided that he wanted to retire, and uh, grandpa then picked up, you know, some more ground, and he actually uh, farmed all that ground till uh, 1970, um, where he wow. okay. unexpectedly uh, passed away at a pretty pretty young age, which then in turn, my, my dad. Threw her dad into the- Absolutely, into the... At, a, at a very young age as well. Yeah, so um, dad started farming in 1970. I was fortunate enough to pick up some ground uh, in 2000. So dad and I farmed together for about six years. Uh, at, what, at that point, dad decided that he wanted to uh, start enjoying retirement. Uh, he retired then at 2006, and um, he still helps out, helps in the spring and the fall. So always, always good to have his knowledge. Uh, his around. knowledge and his help. That's, absolutely, that's, that's, that's the time you need extra help. So. You bet, absolutely. So that's kind of kind of how we got started here in Central Illinois. So on your farm, so you are narrow rows. Mm -hmm. I, th I believe this season you'll be all corn. So some years you're all soybeans. Mm -hmm. Some years are all corn. Mm -hmm. um, some years you're corn on corn. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. What's the longest you've gone corn on corn? Uh, we did go six years one time. Okay. And um, it, it worked out pretty good, um, but I don't think we'd ever go more than that. I okay. think six years is about the, the most that we'd want to do. So I'd say four to five at the most. That's okay. kind of where we're at. Yeah. In that, in that year you put soybeans on the ground, do you... You typically have some phenomenal soybean yeah. yields, probably. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's talk about how you manage your corn hybrids on on your farm. 
Um, and, and it all starts with the yield goal. Mm -hmm. So tell us what, you know, what is your yield, you know, what's your objective on your corn crop? 300. 300. We, yeah. I mean, with, with the things that uh, we're doing that you guys have helped us do and with the varieties that you guys have provided us, 300 is, is where we want to be at. So you, you want a consistent 300 across the whole farm. So Absolutely. Which, 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 is, which is really, really cool. So yeah. Tell us on row width now. So you, you've been in the uh, twin 20 arena some. And prior to that, what were you? Were you 20 inch? Uh, no, we were actually 30s. Um, looking back in history, you know, there's obviously a direct correlation between uh, population and yield. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've all seen this. So, you know, my grandpa, for instance, he was 38 inch. Then oh. grandpa was, or dad was 36. Then we went to 30s, you know, twin 20s, and now 15s. We were at 15s, which we were very, very happy with. We were happy with the twin 20s, uh, but uh, the, the 15s are working out very well for us. Yeah. We're pushing that population, you know, under your recommendations, you know, we're right around 44,000 is what we've kind of felt is a sweet spot. Um, we drop it anywhere from 42 to 52. Okay. Um, but, you know, it seems like 44 is, is what's working out really well for us. And so your variable rate at this point? No, I'm not. You're not? No. So, so when, you're, when you're going 52, what makes you go 52? <laughs> so it's not like we do a lot of 52. You know, it might only be two rounds. But, oh, okay. But I'd, I want to see, you know, you know, come fall, we look at them yield maps, I, I just want something to go by, you know. I, sure. I want to make sure that we're not leaving something on the table. Okay. You know. Excellent. So, yeah. And that's why we do that. Let's talk about fertility. Okay. At this point. So what do you do, you know, what's important to you fertility-wise on managing your corn crop? Uh, fertility-wise, Myron, um, I think a, a thing that's worked out really good for us is that we start pulling soil samples every year. Mm -hmm. um, and in doing so, it has really actually brought our costs per acre and fertilizer down um, a, a substantial amount. We take this information every year and along with our yield maps from combining and we layer that. And it's not so much grids anymore, but we're doing zones. Okay. And that is, uh, it seemed to have worked really well for us. And, and do you do variable rate planting with those zones? I don't, no. I don't believe you do. No, but we do not. Um, our ground is pretty consistent around here. So you know, yeah, no, yeah. no real reason to go that direction. No, huh? so. no, no, it is not. So let's talk about planting depth. Does planting depths, you know, when you're planting corn, is there anything specific you look at on planting depth that's, that's key? Yeah, you know, we, we wanna place that right around the two inch mark. You know, mm -hmm. it just, I think everybody kind of shoots for that as so do we. And, just had, uh, we've had good luck at that. You know, if we go any shallower, it just, it doesn't seem like we have the, the brace roots that we want. And um, we don't really want to go much deeper than that either. Um, you know, you guys have obviously shared all your uh, data with us as far as the planting depth that you guys like to see it at. And uh, usually try and get it right at that two inch level. So Darren, let's talk about your planner. So at one time you were twin 20s and now you're 15s. We were, yep. Um, we were twin twenties for about four years. Okay. Uh, worked out very well. Um, we were we were happy with it. Uh, got us away from the thirty inch rows, mm -hmm. which was our main goal. But uh, now that we're in fifteens, we are definitely enjoying that much more. 
Uh, it's e easier to combine. We've got uh, you know the head that will will handle the 15-inch road now, and uh, it, it's worked out very well for us. Um, it was kind of a a big transition to make. You know, we had that twin 20, 48-row planner, and now it's a 15-32-row planner. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So there was a lot of work involved in that, um, but uh, we got that behind us last winter, and this was our first year of 15-inch row corn. Let's talk about um, the different Stein corn hybrids that you grow here. Okay. So tell us your two favorite hybrids, and maybe tell us a couple of hybrids you don't like. Okay. From, from the, that you tried over uh, the years. Well, as far as the ones that we do like, um, 9714 uh, comes to mind right away. Uh, 107 day, which is, um, that's about the earliest corn that we plant on the farm. Um, we like to get started with that. Uh, that way, you know, come fall, we can get going combine a little bit early, get the combine set, you know. And what we found with 9714, even though it's 107 day corn, we've actually had years uh, not year, years actual, that it has yielded just as good as our 114-day corn. I mean, I, and, yeah, and, and an incredible thing about that is we used to call it 107-day, but we found out it's more like 105-day. Really? So, yeah. so yeah, that's that's that is cool. Yeah, to know yeah. that's doing that on your farm in this in this geography. Absolutely, and you know, it, it seems to handle the high population very well. Mm -hmm. um, it's shorter in stature, which we really like. Um, less biomass, mm -hmm. you know, because there are years that we are corn on corn. So that shorter stature corn seems to have less biomass. We get in, we're able to manage the residue easier mm -hmm. with your guys' shorter stature corn. Mm -hmm. um, and 9714, uh, it just seems to respond well to fungicide, mm -hmm. um, which we're a firm believer in that on the farm. So. 9714 is uh, actually definitely one of our favorites, as well as 9808. Um, okay. Everything that I said about 9714 plus the standability of 9808 is we have found is just second to none. Mm -hmm. uh, and the stuff just stands. It's a pleasure to combine, and um, generally, 80% uh, of the time, it's it's our best yielding year in and year out. It's just so 9808. The word that comes to mind is consistent. Okay. As it just. Very consistent number for us. Great. So, yeah. so, so you talked about the shorter statured hybrids, you know, and it's all about gathering light or light interception, and um, so it sounds like that's that's working well on your farm. It is. How about fungicide? Now you, you brought up fungicide, and I I know you're doing some some pretty cool things with fungicide. So last year you used a drone. I think they had a capacity of three gallons. Yeah. It was three gallon. Yeah, and and there, there's a new one that there is. Uh, they call it the R30, which uh, just came out not too long ago, which has a capacity of, I believe it's right around nine gallon now. Oh. So we're talking, you know, a lot more acres an hour with that one. So we definitely want to uh, get our hands on that. You know, Darren, I think the drone technology is, is something that everybody should probably look at at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would agree with uh, you. I, I'm not sure. I'm sure people probably look at it and go, I don't, I don't know. It's too small and there's not enough, there's not enough quantity being sprayed, but I would tell you the numbers don't lie and, and um, it's, it's, definitely, yeah. it's definitely working well. That's where we were a little leery, you know, as far as, you know, the drone's only two gallon an acre. And right. we weren't really sure about that, but, you know, 
we, uh, we took the time and did a ground rig last year at 15, uh-huh. brought in a plane at five and a drone at two. And the drone at two did just as good as the ground rig at 15. Uh, so it made a believer out of us. You know, because even I, I, I go, gosh, you need to have the 15 gallon, you need to have the coverage. That's not the case. No. So our, our data sure didn't show that. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Let's talk some about nitrogen application. Okay. And, what, and what you're doing there specifically, because as we know, nitrogen's really, really important. So nitrogen and sulfur, what's, what's okay. your program with that? Uh, so we pull soil samples, um, like I said, every year. Um, we put on some sulfur in the fall, you know, with our dry. Mm-hmm. Um, then obviously as far as uh, nitrogen goes, we like to wait, if we can, to put on anhydrous in the spring. Some years we have to put it on the fall, um, just all depends. But we, we generally like to wait till spring, start with the, get some anhydrous down, and then we come back uh, with our application, our herbicide application. And usually we're looking at usually about 80 units of 32 with sure. our herbicide. Um, we do run some starter on, on the planter, you know, get a little bit more nitrogen there. We split some fields with the uh, flight on the granularia, and it just didn't, uh, it didn't show any benefit, and you know that that wasn't cheap to do. All right, you know, you know so. So, how many total units do you want? Um, so, at the end of the day, you know, between you know, we're out there probably three different times throughout the year. You know, three different applications of nitrogen. Um, so, at the end of the day, we'd like to be around 250. Is kind of where what we shoot for 250, 260, somewhere in there. Um, I think that's. Where, where we need to be to, to get to the yield gold that, that we're looking for. Good. Anything else we need to talk about on how you grow corn here in North Central Illinois? Yeah. And you have a fantastic, you're having fantastic results, which is, which is exciting for us. Yeah, we're pretty happy with the results that, uh, that we're getting with your guys' varieties. Um, we, it just seems like, uh, you know, back in 17, when we started this relationship with you guys, um, we were just kind of maxed out on, on where we're at as far as yield. We were just looking for something different to get us over that next 20, 30, 40, 50 bushel. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we feel that this is it. It's, it's working out very well for us. So when you look at 9808 and 9714, and next year we'll have the new MX514, mm-hmm. do those hybrids bring anything to your farm that other hybrids cannot bring? Uh, handling the the narrow row configuration and the higher population. Okay. We just haven't found uh, any other varieties out there that, that can handle that high population the way that your guys can. Excellent. Yeah, that's 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 what we see if, with uh, MX514 or 9714. It, mm-hmm. it definitely loves that population and does very well with it. And, and same with 9808, mm-hmm. too. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that concludes our talk with Darren regarding his management of stein corn products on on his farm darren thank you very much for taking the time to let us come in and talk to you about what you're doing on your farm it's exciting to hear about that Mm -hmm. we wish you the best in this upcoming season and we look forward to working with you in the in the coming years so we want to earn your business every single year and and we hope we're doing that absolutely thanks for everything that you've provided us and it's been a it's been a great relationship so far great So today we're gonna be hearing from Bob Manning of uh, Central Iowa. And Bob has been in narrow rows in what I'd consider someone that's definitely in 
in the higher management of corn for years. Bob Bosman has a lot of corn on corn ground. And Bob has some interesting, you know, he does a really good job on growing corn, but he just has some interesting management tips that we'll hear about that uh, everyone can take something from what Bob Manning does. Hello, we are here today in central Iowa with Bob Manning of Manning Farms. And Bob, thank you very much for taking time to speak with us today. We're gonna to talk about your farm, how you got started farming. Uh, we we wanna know some things you've done to be highly successful on your farm. And then we'd like to talk specifically about how you manage some of your corn hybrids uh, within the Stein lineup on your farm. So tell us, when did you get started with farming? Oh, mid nineties. Uh, that 94 to 96 in there. Kind of did a little bit before that, but not a lot. Custom applied uh, fertilizer, ag lime, and, and uh, sprayed chemicals did for that, farmers. Yeah, did that all prior, before. Yep. Prior to starting farming, and quite a bit after we started farming, too. We still continued to do that until we're still doing it today. Uh, custom applying ag lime, hauling, general general trucking, and, and that started in 1975. Okay. And then uh, 20 years into that, we kind of started farming. And today you're not corn, soybean. Sometimes you have a few soybean acres, but you're primarily corn. Is that primarily correct? corn, yep, 100% corn, which we are this year. And uh, it works best for our operation. I'm, uh, I know it's expensive to raise corn, but we're high fertility. We have uh, hog buildings where it uh, creates, uh, the hog buildings create half of our fertilizer needs. And then the, the other half is a commercial fertilizer. And you're, you're in 20 inch rows, is that correct? Yes, we are. Went to 20 inch rows, oh, 15 years ago. Okay. And we love them, yep. And so I've talked to different farmers and different operations and you definitely are one that I would call it super management of your corn. You know, you've, you've adopted a, a number of techniques to take the right corn hybrids and you put them in at higher populations. You feed those intensely. I mean, you, you, yep. you, you do a number of things to make that corn crop go. And so what we'd like to talk about here right now is just some of those specific items. And uh, without a doubt, I've, I've known you for quite a while, Bob, and I know relative to other farms, you have made that work phenomenally. So, so uh, a lot of people have interest in knowing what you're doing and how, how you get that done. Well, high population, high fertility, you know, to get high population, you have to have high, high fertility. And the ground pH is very, very important. Ag lime, mm -hmm. having the pH up there where it needs to be. I've learned the hard way that we can't raise corn without sulfur. Mm -hmm. Sulfur is a very big part of our operation. Some of the practices that we have done with our sulfur is applying it closer to the crop year. So, you know, one of our normal practices used to be put our phosphate potash on in the fall, right behind the combine, deep rip, 
everything's everything's conventional tillage. We deep rip and try to get rid of our stocks the best we can. Well, we have changed that up some, what to putting our sulfur in with our phosphate and potash. Uh-huh. For instance, 150 uh, an application in a crop year would be 150 pounds of potash, 150 pounds of uh, phosphate, uh-huh and 150 pounds of ammonia sulfate. And that's where we're getting our 35 to 40 pounds of sulfur. And it's right ahead of the planter. We'll, we'll apply that. We'll spray our pre-emerge herbicide. We'll, we'll work it and plant it. And I mean work it, just scratch it and plant. And that's uh, how we are in our conventional. Now our hog manure side, we will, the sulfur's in the hog manure. Okay. And we found out even there, it makes a lot of difference what your water is, what's your feet, or what you're giving them hogs at that particular site. If you got high sulfur uh, in your water, in your wells, uh, you got high, high sulfur in your hog manure when you're putting it out, in, huh. out on the fields. Yeah, like it could double just due to double. that. Yes. Okay. Now, in your fields, you don't put manure on. Yep. And your side dressing, because I'm assuming you side dress, right? Some, yes. Some. When you side dress, do you put any sulfur with that? We do. Okay. Yes, we do. So, so you, you'll, you'll do some then. Yes. That's, now tell me some. Have you have you had cases where you've taken the wrong hybrid and and managed it? How you're talking at, at higher populations, and, yes. and you poured the inputs to it, yeah. and you had issues. Yeah, and, and, not only issues, you can kind of bomb out. It takes a, a special hybrid to handle high population and high fertility in, in, a, in a lot of situations. It's uh, in, uh, it, it takes finding them right hybrids. And so when you say bomb out, you're talking about your yield right. isn't there, not just standability. You're talking about the whole thing. Exactly. Okay. You know, I mean, to the tune of, you know, 50 to 75 bushel. Really? Yes. Okay. So uh, within Stein, I mean, you found some hybrids that you like. In fact, that's one reason I think you use yeah. Stein products is specifically because of some of our hybrids that, yes. that, that work in that environment. One of them would be uh, 9714-G or the new MX514-20. Not familiar with the MX yet. Will be after this year. The 9714 though, it's a racehorse. Okay. And what that hybrid has, it's got, I call it vigor. It will blow out of the ground. I mean, I don't care how cold it is. I get a little carried away sometimes and start planting a little early. Mm-hmm. You know, I might plant 5th of April, 10th of April. It's not really all that warm. But I have found that that's the first high. If I think it's a little cool yet, that's the hybrid I want to be planting early. Cool. You know, I can plant 9714 a week ahead of everything else, and it just it blows out of the ground. The vigor it has, and the I not the corn scientists and a lot of people are, but the cold germ on 9714 is tremendous. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, every single plant grows no matter how how cold that ground is. You could you know you can put it on 45 degree ground and it'll blow out. Of the ground like it's 60 degrees. 
you know, and it's a it's a shorter plant height, stands well. Yep. And I'm assuming you've seen that in your farm. You oh know, yes. You don't have standability issues with it. Some competing companies are coming up with some hybrids, some shorter statured hybrids, similar to 9714. Do you think they're doing the right thing to do that? Yeah, I really do. I mean, this corn, you know, that's 12, 14 foot tall, and you know, and the ear is above my head, that where the ear placement is. I mean, yeah, they yield, but in, you know, I want my corn to stand too. I want something shorter so the wind doesn't blow it down. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, a big a big part of that smaller corn, you know, and. Sure. You know, and this is maybe kind of stupid, but you get a plant real tall, 10, 12, 14 foot tall, yep. and it's shading a lot of the other plants. The mm -hmm. shorter corn, it's absorbing them sun. It's absorbing it into the plant instead mm -hmm. of being shaded out by some of the taller plants. And a big thing there on in that taller corn, why I like the shorter corn, is trash. Residue management, when you're corn on corn, you know, and I don't go to beans next year to yep. help get rid of my residue, yep. I go right back to corn again. Mm -hmm. I don't want a lot of stock. I, I, wanna, I want that shorter stock, get rid of that residue. You know, I have less residue to eat up. And uh, I think that's a very important thing. You know, I like it black. Sure, sure. You know, and it's easier to make black when you have less residue. Right. Have you ever, as far as the ear placement on 9714, for instance, there are some growers that are scared to death of shorter corn because they talk about ear, you know, they're, they're afraid their ear placement will be too low. Have you ever had a case where you thought on 9714, your ear placement was, was too low and you couldn't harvest it? Not once. Yeah. Not once have I had that problem. It, uh, for instance, growing beans, you know, mm -hmm. you'll have a, a certain hybrid of beans that pods right down tight to the ground. Yep. They're hard to get them pods off, you know, off of them bottom two inches of the stems, you know, so get beans the closest thing to the ground is four, four or five inches off the ground, you know. Yep. They're up there, they're easy to cut, you don't shell no beans in the field. Mm -hmm. Corn, you don't have that problem, or we don't have that problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, our ground in our area and that, that we farm, the 6,500 acres, we, we don't have a lot of rolling ground. You know, our, mm -hmm. we're, we're pretty flat and we can, we can get our heads right down to the ground. Okay. And do a safe and a good job. What would you say today if you said, what are, what is the most important thing you've done on growing corn? You know, the one thing you've learned if you picked one thing, I know that's hard, yep. but if you picked one thing out that you've done on your farm and growing corn that's been the best thing you've ever done, what, what would that be? Well, and, that's, and I, know, I know that's tough because you have a lot of things that have to I know, play. but I, I can kind of answer it. I hope I'm gonna answer this correctly, but it's probably hybrid selection, mm -hmm. okay? Is a, is a very, very important thing when it comes to it. I thought with the acres we had and back 10 years ago, we were around 100% corn. I thought, you know, I needed to plant 
two-day corn, and then I needed to, you know, get it in the field for our harvest. You know, we can't harvest everything early, uh, but plant my early numbers early to where I have something to start on, like the first thousand acres, and then the next thousand acres kind of move up to 104, 105 day, and then maybe go to 107 day. I've learned hybrid selection, kind of forget all that. And the about the earliest thing I want to plant is that like 97, 14, 107, 108 day. Mm -hmm. That's as early as I want to go. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Illinois earlier, by mistake maybe, but you know, I'm the guy that I don't want 16% corn. I don't want 15% corn coming out of the field. My, I want 22. Mm-hmm. 22 is it. So I want a fuller season uh, maturity to where I want 22% corn all year long. I don't want to start at 28 at harvest at the beginning, and then it gets down to 22, and then by the time we're done, we're down here picking uh, 15, 16% corn. I'm not that guy. I want 22% corn all fall, you know. And, and, so that results in from 108 to maybe 115 day corn mm-hmm. by the time I'm done. And you want that, uh, is that because of phantom yield loss? Exactly. You're, you're, you're trying to avoid yes. that phantom yield loss? Exactly. And, and, and a lot of people said that's, it's, it's not true. I, I've got data, stacks of it downstairs, that it is true. Yeah, so, something's going on there. Yeah, I don't know where it's going, but it's going somewhere. You know, and, and, and we should we should talk something else. Uh, you, you talked about your uh, grain bin facility out here. Maybe let's talk about that and how important that is for your business. And, yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, and, and a lot of guys don't like spending the money to dry corn. I, I, I'm not one of them. I I like to dry my corn. You know, I get more yield at that 22 to 25 and I want to dry it. And the only way I can do that is with my grain facility that I have. We can pick 50,000 bushel a day. I want to be able to dry 50,000 bushel a day. This past year, corn dried down easy. We only dried about 30, maybe 35% of our corn went through the dryer. The rest went right into either air bins or or, uh, went right straight to the bins where we didn't have to, to dry it at all. I Personally, which is very strange and very different, you know, I don't mind drying 75 to 80% of my corn, running it through the dryer. I feel I get more, get more bushels that way. Have you ever, and this is hard too, because this, I know this is a really hard question, but as far as trying to put a number on that phantom yield loss, if you were to, if you were to wing it and say, okay, you know, I have a field here at 23%, and I have the same field at 14%. What do you think, in your eyes, from what you've seen, what do you think you're going to lose there in phantom yield loss? $100. Okay. $100, I mean, and yeah. that's, that's figuring $4 corn, not $7 corn. I mean, you, you can easily- That's huge. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge, but I mean, it's, uh, yeah. It's uh, very, it, and it is there. I mean, I've opened up fields and taken 20, 40 acres off of a 160 and then come back 
a week or two later and you know I got my yield data there and I know what the corn was making uh, on the monitors and I come back and 10, 12 bushel an acre is gone, 15 bushel an acre is gone, where did it go? Right. I, I don't know, but that 15 bushel is an easy $100. Yeah, that's yeah, huge. That's, you know, that's, that's, and that's, that's either, even bigger than what I thought you'd yeah, say. Yeah, it's either making it or breaking it. And, you know, I, 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 it's very, very important. And how I want to back up to the question you asked me, what's one of the biggest things? That, that all comes back to hybrid selection. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't plant, I, you know, I'd love to. Don't get me wrong, I'd love to plant 100%, 97.14. I mean, it kicks ass, it yields, excuse me, didn't mean to, but it... it, uh, that, it that's what it does, though. It does. And, you know, but I can't plant 100, you know, 97, 14, 107, 108-day for all my acres because I got I to gotta start raising it up 115-day because I run one combine on 6,500 acres, and I can't, I can't do that in two weeks. It takes me six. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I plant my early corn early and my late corn late. Uh, that's interesting, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's almost yeah. opposite of, of, of some people. It's got to fit your operation, you know. Your right. Yeah, to- totally. Yeah. Some things I've learned from you early on here. You, you, you know, we looked at your machine shed, and and we looked at uh, your equipment. So you don't have a lot of equipment for the acres at your farm, but it's all it's all new. Yeah. It's all, all new, expensive so. and getting more expensive every day. But your but your philosophy is you want good equipment, stuff, you don't want to work on it. No. When I start planting, I want to, optimum to me would be start on the 10th of April and be done by the 25th. Sure, okay. And there's no room for breakdowns in there. Yeah, not at all. You know, with with the equipment that we have, I mean, we only run one field cultivator, Mm -hmm. we only run one planter, Mm -hmm. and one sprayer, and. And, and things got to click, and yeah, they they wouldn't have to be new, but very, you know, something you're going to rely on. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think the way equipment's getting priced anymore, and it's going out of sight, kind of like the fertilizer and everything else. Equipment efficiency is is going to be a big part of farming. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I mean, yeah, you might have three or four tractors and two, three planters, and you're gonna have a lot of equipment, whether it's paid for or not, it's a lot of money, and repairs on them are ridiculous. I mean, the efficiency in iron is is gonna be huge, I I feel, you know. I know there's a lot of people thinking other, you know, other ways, but, you know, it's not only the equipment, it's the people to run that equipment. Mm-hmm. Anybody can go buy equipment, but to get competent people to run that equipment and enough of them, you find yourself managing instead of operating. And, and really, if you, what you're saying is to find people to repair that equipment is tough right. too. It is. So and so, getting so, tougher. So you can go more yeah. in two different directions. And, and it's expensive. Yeah. What a, we have found. So you have, you know, you have new equipment. You want new equipment. Um, and, you're, and you try to get by with as little equipment as possible. 
um, for your acreage. You've invested in a phenomenal grain drying facility and storage facility. Yes. Uh, you're focused on picking the right hybrids for your farm. And, and let, let's talk some more about that because um, before we do, can I stop up and back up to just the equipment, a little sure, example? You, you sure can. I before we leave this, yeah. I always ran a 90-foot planter, 20-inch row, mm -hmm. uh, 90-foot uh, John Deere planter, 54 row. Yep. The high-speed deal come along, the John Deere high-speed, mm -hmm. exact emerge. They told me a 60-footer is going to do the same thing as your 90-footer, and I said, boy, I, I have a hard time believing that. But, you know, and I was religiously, you know, running five and a half, you know, maybe towards the end of the year, you might push it up to 5.7, but that was it. That's as fast as I, you can I play. I mean, you're, you're, you're particular on your, on your singulation. Right. And, very, yeah. very particular. Yep. yep. Went to a 60-foot planter. I said, there's no way this is ever going to work. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to, we're going to do it. You know, it might take an extra week to plant. You know, but we're, we're going to back up to a 60-foot planter, just 36 rows, and go that route. Well, right off the bat, and I didn't push it up to 10. First year I had a high-speed planter, I planted at 8 mile an hour. And absolutely loved it and got done the exact same time I would have if I was running a 90-foot planter. Wow. So, yeah. So, you... The next year, I traded planters and I went to uh, the next year and I bumped it up to 9. Mm -hmm. Thinking... Wow, I, I'm going to have a pile of junk behind me when I'm done this year. You know, nothing's going to handle being pulled at nine mile an hour, you know, through the field. It worked great. My simulation, my stand was better at nine than it was at eight. Really? The next year I pushed it to 10. Right now I'm running that 11 mile an hour. And I think every year that I bumped up a mile an hour in my planning, I improved my stand. Wow. I know that sounds, sounds crazy, but uh, that's, that's what I found in our ground. Now, do I go through, you know, in six, 7,000 acres, do I go through a set of disc openers? Yes, I do. There's, there's wear on that planter that, you know, didn't have. But going from a 90-foot down to a 60-foot, and running faster, we're getting, and it's a lot, lot easier. You're, you're, you're convinced on the technology, it sounds yes, like. Yes, I that's, am. That's good to hear. It's good, it's good to and, hear. And, Myron, that's backing up to efficiency. You can buy that 60-footer a whole lot cheaper than you can that 90-footer. Yeah. That's, that's, that's an excellent example. There, and there's more people that want a used 60-footer than there is people that are wanting a used 90-footer. So you're... Your resale is considerably better. It's costing you less and doing a great job. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. I just I, wanted to, yeah. That's, that's the first, you're the first person I've talked to on the high speed oh, to, 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 to give that. It's one of John Deere's by far best equipment improvement they've ever made. That's excellent. Is, is their high speed planner. That's how much of a believer I am in it. And, wasn't when I started, but you know, this will be my sixth year, uh, probably sixth year with the high speed planner, and can't believe we did it before. You know, one. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to back no, up to equipment again, but no, I wanted no, to throw that in. No, 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 I like that. We, we, um, uh, you know, one thing we do on the MX series corn is we yep. run that through a high speed planner stand. Yep. 
to uh, make sure our singulation is where, where we want it to be. Sure. And it's amazing, you can set those and you get 99.2 or 99.3% singulation. Excuse me, but I think you could dump P-Rock in it and get the same yeah. singulation. Yeah, I, that, I think you're right, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. You know. yeah. yeah, thanks for sharing that. I'm not just blowing smoke up your choo-choo here. You, you really, you really are. Your management of corn is far beyond what a lot of different growers are doing. So that's why we need to talk about these things. Um, and, and a lot of people will have interest in understanding what you're doing to to get that to happen. So let's talk some on the side dressing part. So so you don't. So you've done side dressing in the past, but but uh, tell the difference between your what you call your conventional ground and your manure ground. On, I'm assuming with manure ground, you don't need to side dress. No, you don't. I mean, I mean, and I don't know, I don't know what I am missing there on my conventional ground. I don't know what micronutrient that I'm getting out of the hog manure that I'm not uh, adding to my uh, conventional program. Hmm. But our hog manure, Kicks our conventional just 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 way better. Yeah, and it's just year after year, and we pull samples, we soil sample, which we have to to keep the government happy on the hog manure, mm -hmm. you know, so we don't get too much on. Sure. And and we've just we've backed it up, you know, uh, gallons per acre of the hog manure, mm -hmm. and backed it up and backed it up, you know, and it still out yields our conventional fertilizer, and we keep. We keep backing the hog manure down and increasing the uh, the conventional side, the conventional and, and, side and, of the fertilizer, and, and we can't catch. We out. can't. We can't. We can't do what our hog manure is doing. It's just. But keep in mind, I'm corn on corn, so it's an every year deal where we're putting fertilizer. You know, it's not like a rotation deal where guys only fertilize every two years. We're fertilizing every year. Mm -hmm. You know, we're putting on hog manure every year. We're using less of it every year. I, I do supplement my hog manure with one thing and one thing only. It doesn't get any sulfur, it doesn't do anything, but I do go out there and put 80 pounds of anhydrous on in the fall. Okay. I did some tests where I didn't, you know, where I did not do that and did test, you know, we're not seeing a big difference. I don't know if my 80 pounds of expensive $1,600 anhydrous is paying me or not, but I just feel a lot more confident that come late July, August, that I'm not running out of nitrogen. You, do you put anything in the, in the anhydrous to hold it? Yes, I do. Okay. Use inserve, use nitrogen stabilizers. Okay. So fertilization is, is, is big. Yeah. You know? And I think soil sampling is too, you know, I mean, it's uh, yeah, how you how you gonna know, you know, and, without and, and you're not sampling. you're not variable rate on your fertility and in, by in, in any manner, and you're not. I am on my ag line. I variable rate my ag line. Okay, but as far as the fertilizer, uh, we're pretty much one rate. Sure, and and you and you do your ground is pretty uniform. Yes, around here, without a doubt. So Bob, let's get into fungicide, insecticides, and herbicides. And, and, and before you, here's something else to build on to that. Um, how about traits in corn? 
know, with our company, you use just at the most above ground trade technology. You yeah. don't use any below ground. You're corn on corn. So have you had rootworm pressure in the past that you know of? Not that I can, not that I can see. Have we taken precautions to not have? Yes. And, 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 and what are those okay, at this point? Number one is get your ground black. We try to deep rip right behind the combine and, and give it as much time to make it as black as we can. Okay. Okay, and our, then our next is we put on our anhydrous with a chisel plow, John Deere chisel plow. Mm -hmm. So we're we're running deep and we're moving moving dirt again, mm -hmm. trying to blacken it up, you know, some more. And then anytime, you know, anytime that we make a, a second or a third pass, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we always put in insecticide to kill yeah. the beetles. Okay. You know, up, you know, broadcast. You know, when we when we go back with our roundup, we're we're doing it. When we spray our fungicide, it all goes on with the helicopter aerial. We always put in our uh, fungicide, okay. uh, in, insecticide with our fungicide. We're always using an insecticide every chance we get. I have in the past. I've this is be my first year that I've gone away that inferral insecticide uh, in the planter. This year, I'm, I'm gonna try it without it, hmm. but I, I'm scared, I'm scared of it, I don't know, because I've got neighbors that got, you know, rootworm problems, and they can do a lot of damage fast. Sure, yeah. But have we had any rootworm problems not that the agronomists are telling me. They're, and we scout for them a lot. We scout for them insect, uh, rootworm problems, but we have made precautions, you know, and we're going out there every year. We're not every other year. And we, we do spray insecticide every chance we get. And, know. and you, know, we're, you know, we're working with a company, um, and we'll, we'll see if we can get you on the program, uh, where they can come into your farm, they can grid sample your farm, and then hopefully come back and very familiar with them and, 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 and yeah. tell tell you your probability of a rootworm pressure or not, right. which is interesting. Now on fungicide, one application, two applications, three applications. What what have you done on fungicide in the past? That always one. We've tested some two. We don't know if it, but. Fungicide is very, very important. We've tried none, and that does not work. Okay. <laughs> you know, at least one, and uh, a multiple uh, mode of action, like three different modes of of uh, action in the fungicide. It's it's very, very important. Has been in our case anyway, and you know, I can we can show you to the row where the helicopter left a test strip and. I don't like test strips. I mean, it, I'm, I'm con convinced that it works. You have a sad every face acre, when you're in the combine. Yeah, with every acre strip. that I plant, I want to I want to spray fungicide. Now, there's one thing I got to back up because this is kind of before a fungicide come in here. This is backing up to uh, the insecticide part. Yeah. You opened this question by, you know, your hybrids and are you are you depending on your hybrid to with, do all your protection. With the trait technology, right. 
Right. And yeah, I, I, I plant traded corn, but I would like to get away from it. I think you can do so much better mm-hmm. with the products to control the insects instead of, it takes yield away. I mean, the traits, the more traits, the less yield. And I'm sorry, you know, they'll, they'll tell you, you know, well, my untraded corn out yields my traded corn year after year after year. You've used Stein, just regular glyphosate resistant corn. You've had a lot of luck with it. Yeah, I have. And, and, you know, and, and you know, yeah. I have other seed companies and others say, man, that's really taken a chance uh, by not having any below ground. We would like to sell you a, a below ground and an above ground trait. Yeah, it's it's all fine and dandy, but it's uh, it's yeah, it's yield and it's dollars. Yeah, we're in agreement with you on the trade side. I mean, okay. you you with the two MX lines that you're uh, planting this year, it took a lot of research to make sure that we had performance with those, and they have the above ground. Yeah, or performance with those relative to the glyphosate versions. So. Uh, yeah, without a doubt, you know, we see that, and and definitely when you get into these uh, triple stacks, yeah. you, you can you be, you better have a problem because yeah. if you don't have a problem, you're losing money. Um, you're spending money, and then you're you're losing some on yield. On the fungicide thing, when is the best time to spray fungicide? My field is right there at uh, fully tasseled. Okay, and. Early fully tasseled. I mean, get right after it. I'm not one of these that like to wait till that brown silk. If I see, when I start seeing tassels, I want to. I want to know where the helicopter's at. And, and 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 you have no fear on you know in some hybrids if you if you put fungicide on beer can deers uh, and yeah no no I never had that issue. No, I have not. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know we've we've seen some or I've seen some growers that have done one application early, like in, uh, like- V5. Yeah, like the like the second week of July. Yep. And then they've done an application uh, after, um, they try to do it after silking, you know, after, sure. not right at brown silk, but probably pretty close to brown silk. And I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in two applications. Yep from what I've seen with different people that are doing the high management corn. Yep. Now, if you're in, you know, if you're in a situation where you're not really pushing your corn, I guess I'm not sure if that's, it's as big of a deal, but I definitely think on a farm like, like yours, without a doubt, you have to do it. Now, what do you think about application of fungicide with drones? Boy. And you're, you know, here I'm asking somebody that has a uh. custom application business, but. But no, I mean, I know it's coming, how their coverage would be one thing. Mm-hmm. You, know, I'm, you know, I know I explained that I have a helicopter and that's not a lot of product either, but I, I mean, that helicopter, it just seems like the, the blades blow that herbicide down in and, and we, just, we just have a guy that does a really, really good job of our fungicide application with the helicopter. I mean, he, he don't miss much. Hasn't crashed yet. No, hasn't crashed, but, and, and your question about the drones, I think it's coming, but I don't know if it's in the, 
six to seven thousand acre. Yeah. You know, yeah. A, a guy in you know that's a test plot. I think it's huge. I, I think that would be huge for him to go out and spray his twenty acres with a drone. Sure. You know? Sure. And maybe like you said, back up to like you said, maybe two, three times. Mm -hmm. I think th there's some benefit in that. So Bob, on your farm, um, what do you do for herbicides on, on weed control? Any, anything special? Well, yes, there is something special. And our, our corn on corn allows us to do something special. You know, hmm. not use as much. Okay, <laughs> which, which is very special. Right, you know, where your corn on corn, it, it isn't real tough, you know, and especially 20 inch rows to shade that out. You don't have a lot of weed pressure. Hmm. And you know, I got a lot of neighbors, it's 50% corn, 50% beans, and they fight their ass off with water hemp. Have for several years, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're in a corn on corn operation, and you pretty much take care of your water hemp yeah, after yeah. a couple years of corn or even three years of corn, or in our instance, 10 years of corn, and then we go to beans, we don't have no water hemp. Yeah. I mean, we, the only cool. water hemp we have is from the neighbors. We've killed ours, you know, with yeah. oh, multiple yeah. years of our herbicide. Doesn't take a lot of herbicide, and we're pretty simple when it comes to it. I mean, we, we'll, we'll do a pre right ahead of the planter, fuel cultivated in very lightly, then we'll come back, you know, with a Callisto product with a little bit of Roundup, and that's it for uh, huh. herbicide. It's a and cheap clean, program you have clean fields. and clean, clean fields. Now, how much are you contributing that to the corn on corn where you're shading it out? And that's another thing that I want to back up on you here. This is mm -hmm. when we first started talking about how high the corn gets. Yep. They said, well, if you only got four foot high corn out there, what in the heck do you do to prevent weeds? Well, th them weeds, they don't start when, they're, when the corn's three foot tall. They're started way down there. Mm -hmm. So You've got shading effect. I mean, you, right, I mean, but there, there's people that think the only way you can get shaded, uh, shade the weeds out is have 12 foot tall corn. Oh. That's untrue. It's good for people to hear that because you, you've been using short statured corn now yes. for years yes. and you've had phenomenal success. You are showing everybody the future of corn production here on this Well, it, you know, that's, that's what it that, is. And, uh, you know, the way the mindset and the chemical mindset that for on when it comes to herbicide, well, you can't cut rates. You got to up the rate. Well, you don't. I mean, you can use less and, and, and do better. Be more efficient. There you go. Yeah, be way more efficient. I mean, they don't, you know, chemical companies aren't gonna like hearing what I just said there, but it's the truth. No, we're not a chemical company. Well, I know, but, <laughs> you know, they, they like selling chemicals. All chemical, all chemical <laughs> companies listening, I mean, just understand, I'm not gonna like this very well. So we talked about your equipment. We talked about uh, hybrid selection. We talked about the herbicides, fungicides, insecticides. We talked about your grain complex, which is very, very important. Um, is there anything else, anything else on your farm that uh, give us some personal information about your farm? It's it's you and your son. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Some other. Yes, I have a, kids. A, a, a that second are son that 
uh, takes care of the hogs and, and, and we mm -hmm. get our hog manure from him and it, it works very, very well, yep. you know. And I wanna touch on that if we can, if we're about done, you know, fertility's huge. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, you know, I, don't, I don't think it's possible to put too much on, you know. Uh, it, it, uh, where guys wanna try to get by with 150, 160 pounds of in, you know, if you're only wanting to raise 150, 160 bushel corn or 180 bushel corn, that's probably just fine. But if a guy's wanting to push his yields to 250, 260, 150 pounds of nitrogen isn't gonna cut it. It, it takes, a, takes a pound of nitrogen for every bushel of corn. And you shoot, I mean, really you have a yield goal, right? Yeah. It's, tell us what that yield goal is. It's 300. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, what I'm you know, this past year, we've we hit it quite a bit. I'm not saying just that I seen 300 bushel go through the monitor every now and then. I mean, when I pulled out of the field, the acres I planted divided by the bushels I took off is excess of 300, and that's my goal. I mean, I want to raise. It's I know it's attainable. I've done it uh, on every acre. It's it's tough, but. It's a goal I set for our farm, and uh, that's that's what I'm after. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal. I, I I know you've had some really good really good yields on your farm. And, yeah, and you got some great ground. Yeah, to and you're obviously doing the right things to. If if anyone's going to do yeah. that, that's going to be I you mean, with the practices you have. Do I do I have a goal of two thirty? No, you know I've I've set it high. I set my goal high and. But that's what I'm working towards. Am I wasting money on this high-priced fertilizer? And that's a tough question. I, I, I very well could be. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know my hog manure ground can do it. I just want to know where I, what I'm missing in my conventional acres. What am I missing in there? It's got to be, my feel is, it's got to be micronutrients that I'm getting in that hog manure that I'm not adding to my uh, conventional fertilization process. Yeah, something, some missing, some weak yes. link that, that, yeah, that you can't. I don't know what it is, but it's know, something, I do know that. Yeah, that you can't find. Smaller corn, yeah. okay, you know, in a 30-inch row, you got your plants, you know, this close together, you know, like a, a friend of mine from town came out here and he says, years ago when I started planting 20 inch rows, he says, why are you, why are you doing that? Uh, I says, well, I'm trying to space my plants further apart. Mm -hmm. Well, he said, Jesus, Bob, that's just common sense. He says, you were planting 30 inch rows, now you're planting 20 inch rows, you're putting them closer together, you're not putting them further apart. <laughs> I says, well, you know, in the row. <laughs> that's right. You know. And Myron, I feel that that helps my standability. Mm -hmm. This plant is three inches further away mm -hmm. than the next plant. You're not robbing from this guy. You know, you're putting all the- Less competition. Less yeah. competition, yep. there you go. Yep. You know, when you put them plants further apart. Not this way, further apart in the row. I, I feel standability. The height of corn, I think it's huge. That ear that's sitting way up here on a stock that's 12 foot tall, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, 
It's, you know, it's heavy. When the wind starts blowing and that ear's pulling that big tall stock over, it's bound to, bound to go over. Well, a short stock down here where that ear's down here, it's uh, leverage. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm trying to say there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Does, 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 have you had cases where you've had tall corn and you've had a wind event and the tall corn's blowing over and the short corn is not? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody sees that, and I think I mean, that's why. Little common sense. I mean, you know, there 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 are people that are that are pushing back on the shorter statured material, and we've had it for ten years. Yeah. Um, but now they're starting to see, especially when the derecho went through this part of Iowa, you know, the shorter statured, like the ninety-seven fourteen material, sure. stood like a tree, where a lot of other corn just yeah. went completely flat. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's. That's that's great. That's great to talk about that. Now I, you know, you you talking about hybrid selections. Mm -hmm. These MXs, I don't know a lot. This could be my first year on the MX uh, varieties, but uh, another old racehorse is the ninety-eight oh eight. Don't don't leave ninety-eight oh eight out. No, no. There's 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 diehard people that, that feel that's okay. that's a unmatchable hybrid. I didn't in our conversation. I didn't want to. Sit there and say, "Oh, I wish I would have said something about 9808." It's a yeah. You, you use both 9714 uh, and 9808 on this farm, and I know yeah, both, I do. And, and, and even 9808 is a shorter yep. stature product, not right. as short as 9714. And 9714 is on my early variety. 9808 is towards my longer season uh, yeah. hybrid. Yeah, works well, and and you yes. can you can push its populations. Yeah. And, and it'll stand forever. Yeah, if it's the last thing you go to pick. You, you leave your 9808 till last. Yeah. Because it's usually the wettest too. Mm -hmm. Wet, which is, which is fine. Yeah. You know? Especially for you. I mean, yeah. I mean you, want, you want to be drying corn. You, yeah. you, you want to avoid the, the phantom yield loss. Yeah. So tell, tell me, you know, here's a controversial subject, test weight. Because we've talked about test weight on your farm. You know, we don't focus on test weight. We believe it's a big deal that you don't get docked on test weight, but what have you noticed with, um, you know, like a 9714, for instance, we've seen it where it comes out, if it comes out wet, it has lower test weight than if it comes out dry. But your theory is you want to take it out wet, which it could have lower test weight than if it's dry, but your theory is if you wait till it's dry, you're losing yield. Yep unless you take it out wet and dry it down. Uh, what we've seen like with some hybrids, like 9714's one, its test weight will be lower when it's wet than when it gets dry. Correct, um, I agree with you. And, and, and on your farm though, you're saying you, you wanna harvest that wet and you wanna dry it down. You don't yep. want it to dry in the field. Yeah. So have you seen that or just, just yes. talk about it some? Yes, I have. And you know, I've heard and experience, not just heard, and experience, Stein's test weights aren't, aren't the greatest. But, so I always, every year, every fall when we're, when we're doing that, I'll have to have somebody come walk me through that. Because I'm not raising bushel, I'm raising weight. Mm -hmm. You know, I, when the truck goes to town, it's weight. Well, I'll get explained to me, well, the only difference it's making is how many bushel you can fit in that truck or in that bin is yeah. the only, you know, you're only going to get, you know, 
your volume is going to be down, but your, your weight. And I, I had this several times on combine test yields and everything and the yields there, but the test weight is not, I'm going to give up a couple, couple pounds of test weight instead of that, you know, coming out of the field at that 20%, mm -hmm. I might, uh, you know, hybrid alongside it might be 56, 57 and the, the 97, 14 down there about 55. But at the end of the day and the end of the yield, it always out yields it. Yeah, you actually have more weight with the 9714, yeah. for instance. Yeah. Even though it's taken up a larger volume. Exactly. Than the other hybrid. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I've been that's... experienced it every fall, every fall. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I, I just wanted to touch on that. So. Yeah. And and that's good. And and last year it was a very good year. Last year, I mean, 21, very high yielding. Test weights were considerably better last year on like. Say you get burn up and you run out of rain, uh, your test weights are going to be less, and they are. But I still like, you know, when we talked about you saying phantom yield loss, you don't want to experience that. And the way you don't experience that is you take it out when it's wetter. And, and I, I would tell you, even if your test weight's lower when it's wetter, you take it out anyway <laughs> and you dry it down. And, and your money ahead. And the yield's there. Yeah, yeah, your money ahead, so. I, yeah. I just want to touch on that. that was I'm glad a, you did. Yeah, that was It's a, very important, right, I think. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, we don't like low test weight if, if you're getting docked yeah. at the elevator. No. That's, it's, that's bad, but if you're not getting docked at the elevator, a pound's a pound yeah. at the end of the day. Something I like that Stein does gets me my product early. Mm. Uh, we're sitting here right now and it's the first of April and my stein corn has been in my seed shed for two months. Other hybrids and other companies that are here, I'm still waiting on corn and I don't like that. I don't know when it, I like it there ahead of time. It's in a no, you have controlled, it. controlled environment. I mean the heat, it's uh, cool and it's, and I like having my product delivered to me at least 30 to 60 days ahead of when I'm going to plant it. Okay. And uh, we will keep that up then. Well, I, 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 it, it, it's a little thing that don't make a lot of difference to a lot of people, but it does to me. I like, okay. I like having it here. I know what hybrids I'm going to plant first. I try to put them in my shed that way and it's something that uh, is very important mm -hmm. to me, is having our, what? I don't want to say, you know, that somebody says, well, go ahead and start planting and we'll get you the rest of it. Well, I like all the same seed size. And my, right, when I start in on my 97.14, I know it's all one lot. Mm -hmm. When I start in on my 98, it's all one lot. It sure. All, it, sure. You don't have, well, we're gonna run over here and get you a box, and we're gonna run over here and get you three boxes, and we'll, we'll have it all to you by the time you're ready for it. I'd, I don't like that. What do you think of seed treatments? You have an opinion on seed treatments on corn or on beans? Yeah, I do, and you probably don't wanna hear it. I think it's a waste of money. I, I, I kinda actually like that answer. I, I think, you know, statistically, when we put seed treatments in our 
elite trials which are conducted over the entire Midwest, we've never seen an economical return. Well, there's people that live and die by them. Yeah. Seed treatments and I, I'm one that have tried a lot of them and they never ever paid me. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I mean. <laughs> nope, that, don't, uh, you, don't apologize I, to me, we're not. Well, I just, I, yeah, I, we, we don't make seed treatments. I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you, I don't, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of people make a lot of money off them too. They do, yeah, yeah they do. They don't wanna plant an acre without seed treatment. Yep, that's, I, I know some diehard, yeah. some farmers are diehard of seed treatment and uh, yeah. you can't, you, you need to let them do what they wanna do, I guess, yeah. but um, I'm with you. Uh, what else can we chat about? What about tiling? Huge. On your farms, yeah. Huge. Everything's tiled? Yeah, I wish I had more, but mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's very, very important. Shows up as much on a dry year as it does on a wet year. Sure. And that don't sound feasible, or, but it does. I mean, I don't think a guy can ever get enough tile. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's good too. I hate, hate saying I mean, a guy could, you know, spend himself broke uh, putting tile in, but uh, it's very, very important. Do you, for your farm, for Manny Nag, do you work with a, an agronomy uh, group? Yes, I do. So you contract that? Yes, I do. I was just curious. Um, and uh, they help you with uh, all aspects, or is there just a certain few areas that you really... Pretty much all aspects. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. And the toughest thing there mm -hmm. is to listen. Mm. You know, you can you can read it on a piece of paper, and you know, but you, you got to trust them, and you got to listen. Mm. You know, if they tell you you got to go out there and put another twenty pounds of potash, you better do it. You better do it. Okay. Yeah, that's good. And don't get me wrong on, on when it comes to that. It it's very important. I talked a little bit about it. Uh, you know, I hope I'm not wasting money, but I'd rather have uh, a little extra out there than a little not enough. And it's, uh, I know there's guys raising really good corn with just 200 push or 200 pounds of anhydrous, but, or nitrogen, period. But they're, they're kind of max, you know, maxing it out. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm in the deal where I'd rather have a little extra. Mm -hmm. And I know it's expensive and getting more expensive all the time, the fertilizer and, and nitrogen, but, but, but... But if you have a good year and you have the moisture and you have the right conditions... It'll all pay you back. You don't, you don't want your nitrogen to be a limiting factor. Right. On, on, on your corn yields. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I get it. Bob, thank you very much for taking the time to talk about the super management that you do on your Stein hybrids on corn production here on your farm. You know, we, we talked about first hybrid selection as being the number one uh, uh, factor that you focus on. You talked about population. You talked about fungicide. Uh, you talked about uh, your narrow rows and your canopy, and your canopy being phenomenal for weed control. So th thanks for doing that. Uh, appreciate your time, and, and uh, it's, it's fun talking to a grower that is really on the cusp of, of uh, or really the future of corn production. 
And what you're doing here, you'll see a number of growers doing uh, in the future with the shorter statured, um, uh, higher, what, what we call super management corn hybrids. I don't know if everything's right, but I'm telling you the, the way we're doing it. And it, uh, it's, it's showing up in the yield side. And I appreciate you coming and I don't, I don't mind sharing it with you. We hope you've enjoyed hearing from Myron and the innovative growers who are combining elite Steinkorn genetics and super management strategies to maximize yields. Thanks to all our listeners for joining us on another episode of the Stein Seedcast. We'll be back soon with more expert interviews and insights about all things Stein. To never miss an episode, subscribe to the Stein Seedcast wherever podcasts are found.